This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Brought to you by Betway.com. Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLING. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. He is Mike Fratello, NBA head coach with the Memphis Grizzlies, Cleveland Cavaliers, Atlanta Hawks, working backwards there, and color analyst with the Los Angeles Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Good to see you, sir. Where might your travels have you right now? Just arrived a little while ago in lovely Atlanta, Georgia, and getting ready for the game tomorrow night between the L.A. Clippers and the Atlanta Hawks, then on to Cleveland, Ohio, for the game the next day against the Cavaliers, Clippers-Cavaliers game in Cleveland. So, Are you working that one with the Clippers or the Cavaliers? Oh God, I, I may have to wear a mask that night in doing the game <laughs> in the arena because I'm working for the Clippers. Ah, And I, last time that that happened, Kevin Love in the warm-up line ran out of the line, came over as I was sitting in my chair on the court getting ready for the open, and he said, pick a team. <laughs> he was getting on my case because I was with the, the enemy. So, yeah, at least for the night. Well, it's good for you. You get to work with both teams. And in Atlanta tonight for one of your former teams, which is terrific, so it's all working out well. Cavaliers are on their road trip. It uh, started with a loss in New York, and then they got a win in Houston. They finish up in Oklahoma City against a Thunder team that's been pretty interesting. And they've played these games with Donovan Mitchell being hurt. The Houston game, Mike, he sat out and re-aggravated that groin, but he had some good news. Named an all-star starter, for the first time, voted in by the fans, 50% of the voting for the fans, 25% for players, 25% for the media. Donovan Mitchell is in, fourth-time All-Star, first-time starter, and the game, conveniently enough for Donovan, is back in Utah on February 19th. It's a great honor for him, and it's a great thing for the Cavaliers organization to have the man who they gave up so much for to really be coming through in his first season as a Cavalier. It really is. I think it's a tribute to... Uh, first of all, the fans who went out there and voted and wound up helping him get that starting position uh, on the all-star team. Then his teammates, coaching staff, the front office that put it all together to get him here uh, in Cleveland with the Cavaliers. And, you know, Donovan has certainly paid dividends for this team. It looked like a monstrous trade, and it was. There were a lot of pieces involved. And you couldn't tell in the beginning before the season started, how is this thing going to work out? So many people asking, did we give up too much to get Donovan Mitchell? But most of those people had never seen Donovan Mitchell on a regular basis. So after the fact, when the season started, I think the consensus is both teams wound up doing well, which is nice when you have a trade that they can both say, hey, we're happy with the part that we have. And the other team says, we're happy with the part that we have. Laurie Markkinen has played sensational basketball. I'm waiting to see if Laurie winds up making the Western Conference All-Star team because he deserves a spot on that. And here you have Donovan Mitchell as a starter for the East. Well-deserved. Other Cavaliers, Mike, I think did pretty well overall. 
Darius Garland was ninth among backcourt players in the Eastern Conference in, in the voting between the fans and the media and the coaches. Uh, excuse me, the players. Jared Allen was 11th in the front court. Evan Mobley was 14th. So you have four of your five starters who finish in the top 14 in the respective voting in for their positions. That, that's pretty impressive, especially when you consider the youth of Garland and Mobley and even Jared Allen, who, who's not a real old guy and hasn't been in the league forever. So it really says something about the four core pieces that the Cavaliers have put on the floor, that they put on billboards all around town. It, it's working, and those guys are playing very well. I think it shows the respect around the league and around our country for uh, what the Cavaliers are doing, people following the Cavaliers, they're watching their record, and uh, the head coach and his staff have done an outstanding job in uh, getting them to be one of those teams right now that are fighting for a home court spot if the playoffs should start uh, in the next day or two, and they're right there. Uh, they've got to make their run now down the backstretch and, and put together winning streaks rather than uh, three or four game losing streaks. Seems like everybody's been going through that lately. Some of the best teams, some of the teams that are right at the top, all of a sudden we've seen them. You know, Boston, as an example, who's had right. the best record for so long. All of a sudden, Boston loses three or four games in a row. So you're trying to avoid that now. You're playing for home court advantage. Uh, obviously, you're playing to be in the top six teams, so you don't have to be involved in that play-in situation. Uh, but the respect of the Cavs players, the program, has gotten all this, I think, is uh, shown in the results of the All-Star voting. And uh, I'll be anxious to see what happens now with the rest of the All-Star teams, both in the East and West. Mike, you made the comment earlier about the the big trade with Donovan Mitchell and giving up an, an awful lot with Markinen and Sexton and Abaji and the three first-rounders and everything. I've, I've thought, and I, I don't like it when any team gives up that much. However, and I think this is kind of an interesting thing. Through 50 games, the Cavs are 30 and 20 at the 50-game mark, just as they were last year. But I would think we all are in agreement because you have a guy like Donovan Mitchell, you're a better basketball team. And, and I don't know, Mike, and you certainly have a better feel for this than I do. But in the regular season, you might not see like a, a numerical huge jump. But when you come to playoff time, which is why you go out and you get superstars and why you make such big deals, I would think that you're a better playoff team because you have that caliber of a player on your team. You know, you look at teams that have won the NBA championship for the last, what, 25 years, and they all are based around a superstar type of player. And I would say Donovan Mitchell is the Cavaliers guy who, if, if, if you need that guy to put you over the top, He's that guy. So I, I think we maybe see the difference in this team more than anything, Mike, come playoff time. No? Jeff, I think you've hit it right on the head. You might be a better playoff team than your record shows that you are a regular season team. And uh, there's a few things you can point to during the regular season, most notably load management, uh, because players are being asked, uh, to sit certain nights when they feel that they've built up too many minutes after too many games in too few days, uh, they'll sit them. And that may cost you a game here and there, which obviously affects your record. Uh, so 
you might have wound up with four more wins at the end of the season, five more wins where you could say, oh, compared to last year, right. this team has you know five more wins. May not look that way when the regular season ends, but you might be a better playoff team. Well, let's also remember uh, Rubio has just come back recently, which should make uh, the Cavaliers team a stronger team. And I'm not sure how many teams in the NBA have a player on their roster that has scored 50 points in a playoff game more than one time. And the Cavaliers have that in Donovan Mitchell. And he has a ton of playoff experience, Mike, every year in his first five years when he was in Utah. So I can't wait to see what this team does in the playoffs because I think Donovan makes them a better playoff team than they were last year. Whether they're a better regular season team or not, on a given night, sure. Record-wise, not right now. But playoff time, this could be a very different, it's a very different story. Jeff, think about it. You said 30 and 20 a record. That means yep. you have 32 games remaining in the season. So what you have to hope for first is that everyone for this backstretch run has to remain healthy. No serious injuries so that you can go into the playoffs on roll with everybody healthy. And you give yourself the best chance of winning in round one, moving on to round two, and on and on. It's interesting to me, Mike, the NBA is such a, and I won't call it strange beast, but it feels that way sometimes because as opposed to some of the other sports, you're only playing five guys at a time. And if, you know, if you're going deep, you're playing 10. And if you're going kind of deep, you're playing nine. And one guy can make, as we've seen time and time and time again, one guy can make all the difference. You know, you go from being okay to being terrific because of the presence of one guy which has led teams to bold moves. The Cavs made one. Minnesota made one for Donovan Mitchell's teammate, Rudy Gobert. Whether that pans out, who knows? DeJounte Murray going to the Atlanta Hawks, who you're going to see, and another big deal coming from San Antonio. There have been some really bold moves in the NBA, and I admire the front office guys for going for those, Mike. But, man, they always make me gulp a little bit. I just think, man, did you guys give up a lot? I hope it works for you. Well, uh, the the front offices, obviously, because there's so much pressure on them, they hope that it works more than anybody else because they have to answer the ownership. And obviously the fan bases, you, they're there every night in Cleveland. Uh, they show up. They're rabid fans. They love their Cavaliers. And they, it was like one of those wait and see, is this guy Donovan Mitchell really good? Well, I think they've seen that already a number of times this season from Donovan Mitchell and you got to make the playoffs first before you can start talking about round number one. So let's get there first and then we'll start talking more about playoffs. I like that idea. This is basketball gold with Fratello and Phelps. He is Mike Fratello. I'm Jeff Phelps. Last segment talked all about Donovan Mitchell making the all-star team. Let's talk about that game a little bit, Mike. It's coming up in Utah in February, the Eastern conference all-stars through the voting of, Fans, 50% of the voting, 25% players, 25% media. In the East, Donovan Mitchell, former Cavalier Kyrie Irving, Giannis Netacunpo, Kevin Durant, hope he's healthy, and Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. And in the West, I like this group too. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Zion Williamson getting in there. And I kind of like the mix, Mike, especially, I guess, in both conferences, but in the West with Zion getting in there and the players, I saw some breakdowns on the players voting and everything else. The players voted him in. 
it's really nice for the NBA to see a guy who was pretty hyped, pretty ballyhooed when he was coming out of Duke and getting drafted high and then getting injured, getting a chance to be on the floor and playing pretty good basketball and being recognized for it, being chosen as an all-star starter. Well, two names that jump out at me that you did not mention, and we really have to shake your head and think about what their teams have done and uh, what that player is all about in the Eastern Conference. How about Joel Embiid? Yeah. He's not one of the five starters. and He finished fourth in the, in the backcourt or the frontcourt voting. So he missed it by one. He'll have to get put in by the coaches. And, of course, he will. Okay, Western Conference, I would say John Morant is probably the guy that yeah. jumps out at me as his team doing so well this season. And that's with Jai even missing X number of games. Uh, yet I would think he is at that all-star starters level, that caliber of player. But, you know, you can't pick everybody. There's only five starters. Uh, but those are two names that jump out at me, one in each conference that, wow, they didn't make it as a starter. The voting, Mike, as I mentioned, 50% fans, 25% for players and media. And that just changed. It was fans from like the mid seventies until about five years ago, it was all fans voting. Uh, the fan, And before that, the, the coaches were the folks doing it, coaches and media, but now fans heavily involved players, media. Is that a good idea? Should it be changed up? I, you know, you want fans involved, obviously, but Personally, I, I think the best group of people to do the judging on that might be coaches and front office people. And I, I know that's not really exciting for anybody, but if you're looking for the most representative bunch, I would think coaches and front office folks. Should it be changed or is it okay the way it is? That's a really, really hard question, uh, Jeff. It, it's uh, You don't want to leave the fans out because – they're such an integral part of the success of the NBA. They're there every night. Those that can get there, those that can get a hold of tickets, those that can afford tickets, they root for the guy that they fall in love with, and they have a chance uh, to put that guy on as a starter or as one of the reserves. Uh, but then again, there's so much bias and prejudice from the fans. And if they don't like a certain guy from another team because that team keeps beating their team, therefore that other guy is an enemy, then they yes. don't vote for him when he might be one of the top three players yeah. in the league. All of that plays into it. Um, I think coaches have a, a great, great feel for it. And I would say media has a great feel mm -hmm. for what goes on with these players, depending on who the media are that they select uh, to allow them to vote. Um, it's it's really hard. I'm not sure that back in the 70s, 80s, 90s that we saw triple vote days like we're seeing uh, nowadays. If you vote today, <laughs> your vote's worth three times the number of votes. It's like a it's like a sale in a store. Today, come yeah. today, you get $75 off, you know, anything more than <laughs> Didn't that happen in Chicago and federal law enforcement got involved, Mike? <laughs> You can't do that. I mean, but they're doing it with the fans now. And and that's why I'm sure that's part of the reason why one guy makes it over another guy, because the people on triple vote, they all get out there and vote for the guy that they like the most. And then we live with the votes in the end. All right. I'm I'm gonna sound I'm gonna sound crotchety on this. 
I've not been a fan at all of the top vote getters being the team captains and picking their teams. I I'm kind of a traditionalist. I like Eastern conference playing the Western conference. I know it's just an exhibition game, but I always liked, let's see the East against the West. This will be pretty cool. And it's the only time they're teammates. I get all that. So I've not really liked the captains pitch uh, picking guys. And then, you know, they just go out and, and play with, nothing other than these are a bunch of all-stars in my estimation. Now it, it, now it's worse because this year it's going to be the team captains picking players. And Mike, the, the time frame that every that's out there right now, seven 30 with the game at eight o'clock. So they're picking their guys kind of like it's the playground, you know, I'll take you, 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 and then somebody's going to be standing there. I don't know if they're going to know that they, they were the last guy taken or what, because it's so close. And I don't know if they're all going to be together, but I, oh my goodness, I'm not a fan. And so much for the idea of practice and running an offense and running a defense. Not that that happens in the all-star game anymore anyway. Well, I, I, I cannot visualize that they're finding out. 30 minutes before the game starts. So what are they doing? Are they in everybody's bag that receives their all-star bag? You got to be two. Packing both colored jerseys. I guess. I don't know. 30 minutes before they say, okay, reach in your bag and you take the blue jersey and you take the red jersey. And now I'm not a big fan of that. I really enjoyed uh, when the respective teams would get their one hour of practice that had the very, very heavy media coverage on that. Yeah. And then you went into the game that night and you ran a little bit of something. Uh, and the team had some type of organization to it. Not all the time, but in some instances, in some cases. And like you said, the Eastern Conference against the Western Conference. Now you're you're reaching across the boundary lines, picking the guy that you know you feel might help your team best and how much thought and time do they go into this you know i know lebron will put time in thinking who who his selections are yeah trying to build the team uh that's he's five and oh by the way mike as a team captain i'm sorry he's five and oh as a team captain so maybe he has general manager in his future i don't know but he's he's undefeated at this well that would lead me to, to believe that my statement is pretty accurate he spends time thinking about this yeah and, you know, he knows who his first guy wants to be. What does he need? Does he need a dominant center? Does that matter anymore? Does he need a dominant, you know, guard to handle besides himself? You know, and he, he I bet you he puts a lot of time in thinking about who's there, who are the guys that are available to pick, and how are we going, in what order. And that's why he's been successful, plus the fact that he plays in the game. And if he decides that he wants to win the game, he plays a little bit harder, and he's a pretty good player, by the way. Yeah, I think so, too. You were the head coach of the Eastern Conference All-Stars in 1988, Mike. And Michael Jordan was the MVP in that game. He had 40 points. The game was in Chicago, so that worked out well. And Dominique Wilkins, your guy, had 29 points in that game. I love this aspect of it. Now, it was 1988. Think about the All-Star game now. There were only 11 three-pointers shot in your All-Star game. Well done, sir. Well, let me... God, that was such a great weekend, and was it uh, probably the the greatest thing for me besides being you know named the All Star coach and, and 
us winding up winning the game was the fact that my mom and dad could come to that weekend and I, I could see the excitement in their eyes to be part of everything that was going on. It just, nice. just made it extra special. But Jeff, help me out. Yeah. On that weekend, all I remember is how hard it was for us to try and win the game. I mean, we, our staff had to really coach our butts off. Name some of the guys so I know who, you know, who was right, on. Here's your team. This, this was your team. Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, Dominic Wilkins, Larry Bird, and Moses Malone. Gee, I think you had a chance. <laughs> I don't know how we won that game. <laughs> I mean, golly, it must have been some great play call by the coach in that game. You know, and your your bench was so weak, Mike. Who did I have on the bench? Uh, Danny Ainge, Patrick Ewing, Doc Rivers, Brad Doherty, Charles Barkley, Kevin McHale, and Mo Cheeks. <laughs> Man, you were a hell of a coach that day. <laughs> oh, I luck I even put them in the game. They didn't earn it. I don't think that. You, you did have to beat a pretty good team. Western oh, All-Stars well, coached by Pat Riley. Players on the team, like, I think there was a guy named Kareem, another guy named Magic. He must have made that name up, okay? Yeah, yeah. Who else? Uh, it was Magic, Fat Lever, and Alex English from Denver, and Carl Malone, and Akeem Olajuwon as the starters. And he was Akeem back then. They didn't put the H back in front of his name before then. Uh, and their bench on the West was Clyde Drexler, Kareem, James Worthy, Xavier McDaniel, who I always loved, Mark Aguirre, Alvin Robertson from Barberton, Ohio, James Donaldson, who filled in for Steve Johnson. So that was a great game. And it was a it was an honest score, Mike. It was 138 to 133, which probably seemed extreme at the time. And in comparison to the 199 to 197 games of today, um, you coached a heck of a defense in that game. Well done. No, I, I, I love that game. And I, I wish all the time uh, when I see the games nowadays, uh, the ones that they have just turned them into up and down, you score, I score, guys walk out of the way and let the guys, you know, do 360 dunks. And all. I don't like that as much as I, I, I want to see. You're the greatest players in the NBA, and you're being given the honor of voting, uh, being voted into the All-Star Game to represent the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, all the fans of NBA basketball watching that weekend. And I think it's just so great when they play a legit game, they get down in their stance, try and beat me. You're an All-Star? Try and beat me. I'm an All-Star. I'm going to try and defend you. And those, those are the games that I love, the ones where they really play. I just think back to the the stars, you know, that the great stars when they were playing in the All-Star games that took it serious, and and they wanted to win the money. Back then, the checks, All-Star yeah. checks meant a little bit to, to guys to take them home, you know, at the end, get the winner's check, not the loser's check. And those games, for me, are the, are the best games. The ones where you're scoring 190 points, not so doesn't much. mean as much to me. Yeah, it's like me going too. in the backyard playing by yourself. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking more about your all-star experience in 88 coming up as we get closer to the all-star game. That'll be fun. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. He's Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach, color analyst now with the Clippers and the Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Mike, we're over halfway through this season, 50 games in for most teams, so roughly 32 to go. Let's take a look at the East and the West. 
and just see where these teams are, are spaced out right now. I Let's start in the East. I would think most everybody thought the four top teams in the East would be Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn in some order, whatever order that was. That's the order they're in right now. I, I think the Cavs have impressed a lot of people. They're sitting fifth right now. The Heat, a team to keep an eye on, two and a half games behind the Cavaliers. Those, to me, Mike, seem to be the six teams to keep an eye on that, that can avoid the play-in tournament. Do you like those six? And and who might you think could emerge to be the top team in the conference? Is it Boston? They've been playing great ball. Wow, you, you've thrown out so many terrific teams in the Eastern Conference, and you know, when Kevin Durant gets back, Brooklyn's obviously going to go be better and go back on one of those streaks like they had when they got Kyrie back with Durant hooked up and everybody got their heads straightened out in Brooklyn. This is a team we can win a lot of games together, and they went out and won, what, eight, nine in a row, whatever it was before yeah. KD got hurt. Uh, Boston has been fortunate that there haven't been a number of serious injuries to the team, and they've had two guys just – play outstanding basketball. Tatum has been sensational. Brown, uh, for the most part, has been really, really good. And a couple pickups here and there. Brogdon was a nice pickup for them. Coming yeah, off the really bench good. for them now. Might be one of the six-man-of-the-year candidates. Uh, so then getting back the big guy in the middle for them was another important thing back from his knee surgery. So uh, Boston's a very, very good team. They have shooters. They have defenders. Uh, they They play well with each other. And, you know, when you lose a head coach before the season starts and you go into the season, all of a sudden you move one of the assistants up and say, hey, this team is yours now. Let's see what you can do. I'd say the, the response uh, by the team to their new head coach has been really great. And he was smart enough not to change too much of what they did. He saw what they had. You get a team that goes to the NBA finals. That's not bad. Let's not ruin what we have. Let's just try and make it a little bit better than it was a year ago. So, uh, and Philly, I like Philly's team. They finally got Maxie back, and you can see the difference that Maxie makes in Philadelphia. Um, Milwaukee, if whole, I think is still a championship caliber mm-hmm. team. Uh, how can you count them out? They know what what it's all about, and uh, they've they've added a couple pieces that could make them a better team than the championship year. Um, but the Cavs, I think, are in the mix there. Why they can go out and play with those guys every night? I mean, they're they're good enough that uh, their defense is solid. They've got a dynamic backcourt. If they get the other guys chipping in, they've got depth. They've a second unit that can score. You know, Karis Levert uh, coming in with that second unit. Kevin Love. Why can't they play with those people? I think they can. Could the trade deadline, Mike? be a, an even bigger factor than usual in the Eastern conference as we close in at the end of the season here with, with five teams clearly kind of separating right now. And even Miami, I, I can't count, count out Eric Spolster's team. Eric's a great coach and they always seem to play well. It, it almost seems that the team that makes the biggest move at the trade deadline that strikes and gets that one guy, it could be a huge boost for them, not only in the playoff push, but once they get into the postseason. You know what's happening, Jeff, right now? It's kind of interesting. Uh, and I, I feel bad for the front office people in, in a number of teams. They've been doing all their homework. They've been 
getting all the reports from their scouts that are on the road because uh, as you know and I'm, I'm not sure how many of the fans followers know every team has advanced people out there that some of them scout the next opponent for X's and O's to prepare the game plan but others are out there watching players they just go to games and they watch talent they watch players and these are people that they put on their list as prospective targets for trading. I would include this guy in a trade. I would include that guy. That's a guy that would be good with our second unit. This is a guy who could be a missing piece on our first unit. And those scouts are out watching the games uh, for different reasons. And what's happening to a few of the teams right now, teams that everyone was saying they just need to go make a move and get this piece or get that piece. Teams are starting to play like really good right now. Yeah, and I know that's got the general managers and presidents of the team sitting there scratching their heads, saying, uh, "Should we tamper with what we've got now? Does yeah. it need a little bit of tinkering here or there, or should we let it go because we're playing our best basketball of the year right now?" And it, it's such a tough decision. Do you keep what you have because all of a sudden you're seeing? the best basketball the team has played all seasons together right now, uh, or you've got trade deadline coming up and all that work that you did and the work that your scouts did, do you pull the trigger and make a move on one of these deals? You don't want to ruin something that's good, but if you want greatness, you may have to make that move. And with the play-in tournament now, Mike, 10 teams out of the 15 teams in each conference get into some kind of postseason play. And if you're in the West right now, I, I think this is nuts. We, in, in a good way, we have kind of a changing of the guard because you look at top at the top, and as we speak now, it's Denver, Memphis, Sacramento in third, and then Memphis. The New Orleans Pelicans are in fourth place. But but here's the catch to me, Mike: the Pelicans are eight games out of first place. All of these teams are within three games of each other in the standings. New Orleans, your Clippers. Dallas, Phoenix, Minnesota, Golden State, Utah, Oklahoma City, Portland, and the Lakers. They're all within three games of fourth place. It This could get nuts in the Western Conference right now. You, you've seen a lot of the West. Is there one team that you think, boy, this is the team that, that just might jump out of that pack and really be something? I'm going to tell you one team, I don't know how far they, they'll go, but you named them as, I think, the fourth team in that group initially, and that was New Orleans. Mm. Remember, they've done what they've done without Ingram for such a long period of time, and now Zion going back out again. Those are two major, major pieces, and there they are still the fourth best team in the Western Conference right yeah. now. Yep. That's saying a whole lot. So you get Zion back, Ingram now back starting to play, they're a dangerous team, but a number of the teams you mentioned that are in that group that are just separated by a couple games here or there, it seems like they've all had major injuries. Think about just before Anthony Davis got hurt again, the yeah. Lakers finally seemed to get their stuff together and they were winning games. And uh, Russell Westbrook had accepted his role of coming off the bench. He kind of got it finally what they need for him when he comes in. And he was playing good basketball. They were winning because of that. And I can go on and on with a number of those teams. You know, Phoenix, um, 
Chris Paul in and out, then Booker, obviously a key piece of them, being out for a large number of games. A number of those teams have had significant injuries. I mean, the Clippers seem to have at least two guys out every night, and they just now, I'll call it, have gotten whole, Mm. meaning they've gotten their two stars back on the court together, but they're still missing. Luke Kennard just came back last night. John Wall is still out for them. Two pretty significant players. They get them back. Who knows how good they can be? The West is West is a mess, but in a good way. <laughs> it is. It's it's going to be really fun to see. And I, I, I'm keeping an eye on the two teams you actually mentioned, Mike, the Pelicans and the Clippers. You enjoy the Clippers against the Atlanta Hawks. Loved our conversation today. And then keep your head down in Cleveland when you're working with the Clippers, okay? We don't want anything to happen to you. I'm trying to think of what I wear that night. Which, What colors do I go with that night? Um, how about, what can you, com- can you combine two colors? Can if you I wear, wear all black, black, it's like a funeral. I don't want to, I don't want to go in there thinking like, you know, geez, I got to wear all black because the Cavs people are mad at me. Yeah. I, I broadcast their games as well. So I've got to pick some neutral colors out. So I'm not favoring everybody. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to get mad. How, yeah. You could wear, how about maybe uh, a red tie and, well, if you were, well, I, I think you're in trouble. Good luck to you. No, I do not have a red suit. I thought that's where you were going with that red. No, tie. No, I, I don't know about a red suit. If you wore, if you wore wine and blue, I I don't know, Mike. You you've got the great wardrobe. You can figure it out. You'll do great. I'll work on it. Uh, enjoy yourself. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. This has been Basketball Gold, brought to you by Betway.com. Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? One eight hundred Gambler. Yeah.